If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Joshua chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, would like one to follow along, raise your hand and David will make sure that you get a Bible. You know, it's really warm right up about there. Uh, but uh, he will make sure that you have a Bible. And, uh, you know, that's one thing we do here is we study the Word of God. We believe that's important. Uh, if it isn't from the Word, it really probably isn't worth saying. So uh, that's kind of what I believe, and I believe that we study the Word in that way. Next week, we're, we're going to be looking at Joshua 24 just today as uh, this is first day of the new year, the first Sunday of the new year. And then... Uh, Next week, I'm going to start a study about four or five weeks on Bible basics. So I encourage you to be here and get into that study on Bible basics. We'll talk about the Bible and where it came from and how we can trust it. We're going to talk about what man's problem is. <laughs> What's the issue? What separates us from God? We're going to talk about uh, how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and why that's important and how that takes place. And we're going to talk about what our life's to be like after that. I think sometimes we think, boy, that's the end. I've got the Lord, and, and yet the Bible says that's just the beginning. It's a whole new beginning uh, for our lives. So we're going to talk about Bible basics, and uh, I, I think that's important. But this morning I want to talk about the importance of, of that relationship with the Lord and serving the Lord and um, being where he wants us to be in 2020. It's hard to believe, isn't it? New decade, 2020. And uh, let me just share a little story before we get started. There was a little boy who came to his dad, and uh, I don't know, he was taking math in the first grade or whatever. He had a story problem, and he said, Daddy, he said, Daddy, if you have three frogs and they're sitting on a limb up over a pond and one decided to jump in, how many frogs would be left? Well, Dad says, I can do first grade math. I'm smarter than a first grader. And immediately he said, well, two. Oh, Daddy, listen. Listen to what I have to say. If there were three frogs sitting on a branch over a pond and one of them decided to jump in, how many would be left on the branch? And Dad said, oh, this is a trick question. And he said, there wouldn't be any left because one would jump in and then the others would follow him. And the little boy said, mm, no, Daddy. You got to listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Daddy, if there were three frogs on a limb and one decided to jump in, how many frogs would be left on the limb? How many of you know? Anybody know? Any of you heard this before? Three frogs, one decided to jump in. How many are left on the limb? Dad was perplexed. He looked at his little boy and he said, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I've, I've kind of gone through the math and I figured it out. And the little boy said, well, there'd be three left on the limb. The one just decided to jump. I didn't say he did. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times that's the way it is with our decision-making. We decide what we're going to do, but we don't necessarily follow through. Have you ever figured that out? Man, I've got all kinds of things that I said, I'm going to do this, and I've decided to do that, and I've planned on it. And then for some reason, a few weeks later, it's still sitting there, and I haven't followed through. I didn't do what I decided to do. And that's kind of where that frog was. Well, as we come to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua has been serving the people of Israel for quite some time. Um, just to give you a little background into Joshua, he was born into slavery. His mom and dad were slaves. He was in Egypt. And then God delivered the nation out of Egypt, and Joshua came out. He was 
close to uh, Moses, who was the leader. In fact, he was his disciple. He was his right-hand man in a lot of ways. And so he came alongside of, of Moses, but he'd come from that background of slavery. Uh, he didn't have probably a lot of experience in different things. I doubt that he, they had taught him to fight very well or be a warrior. And yet Moses made him a warrior. When the Amalekites, you read the story in Exodus, I think it's 17, the Amalekites came and attacked them. They were coming and sniping at the Israelites behind as they were going through the wilderness and picking off some of the stragglers. And so uh, Joshua, or Moses came to Joshua. He says, I want you to go choose men to fight with you, and you form an army, and you go out and you battle the Amalekites. Well, this was kind of new for the Israelites. They'd never been warriors. They were, they were brick builders, and they built cities. And so he chose the people, and we know the story. If you go back and you look in the Old Testament of how Moses and Aaron and Hur went up on the top of the mountain, and they were looking down at this battle. And when Moses would hold the staff up towards God, you remember Joshua and the Israelites won. When he would lower it, his arm would get tired. All of a sudden, the Amalekites were winning, and this didn't work well, so uh, Aaron and Hur figured out if they would hold up his arms, then they would win the battle, and that was how Joshua won that first battle. When Moses went up on the mountain, Joshua went with him, and he was there with him on the mountain. He was just off to the, didn't go quite all the way with him, but when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments and the law from the Lord, he, Joshua was the one he took up part way. They'd come up to the promised land again. You remember that Joshua was one of the 12, tri or 12 spies that went in and spied out the land, if you know anything about that passage at all, if you've gone back and read that. He, uh, he went in with the 12, and when they came out, God had said, I'm going to give you this land. And when they came out, two of them said, Joshua and a man by the name of Caleb said, Wow, this is a great land. God's going to give it to us. Let's go take it. <laughs> And the other ten looked at it from their power and their ability, and they were all slaves. And they said, we can't take that land. Beautiful land, but, man, there's fortified cities, and there's giants. And, and so as a result, for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Not anybody from that generation went in except Joshua and Caleb. And we came to the period where God took Moses home. He died, and Joshua was put in as the leader, and I, I, I don't know exactly what Joshua was like. I, I have an idea. Maybe he was a little bit anxious, probably a little bit fearful. Maybe he lacked courage when it came to this. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 23, we see the first call on Joshua to be the leader, to take them in, and in verse 23 of this passage, God speaking to Joshua, and he says, Then he commanded Joshua, the son of Nun, and he said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. And then you go over to that first chapter of Joshua, when, uh, when Joshua is again being called to lead the people. And you go to verse 6 and 7, and it says, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers. Only be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. 
Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have, may have success wherever you go. We go down to the ninth verse. He says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then we go down to verse 18, and he had called the tribes that were on the east side of the Jordan to come and battle with them, and they said, we will. But they said, listen, Joshua, anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words in all that you commanded them shall be put to death. We're going to take care of them. Only Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do you think he had to be reminded? Boy, it came back time and time again. Joshua, be ready, be strong, be courageous. Do the things that God calls you to do. Step out. That's a challenge for us today and tomorrow. Be strong and courageous. Whatever God calls you to do, you step up. Guys, I'm going to remind you again about that study we're going to be doing on men. Step up. Sometimes we need to be reminded again and again and again as dads and as husbands to step up. When we get to be 25 and 30 and 35 and 40, we're not adolescents anymore. We're responsible. And so we need to be reminded to step up. Step up. Be the men that God wants you to be. That's really what he was saying to Joshua. He says, step up. And so Joshua was old as we come to chapter 24. And it's back in chapter 23. It says, now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from the, all their enemies on every side. Joshua was old and advanced in years. You know, when we think old, we, we think in different terms than what Joshua did. Another passage, it says he was 110. That's old. You know, we aren't there yet. If you're uh, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, you're not old yet. Just want to remind you that. You got time. God's using you for whatever he wants. And then Joshua began to talk to the people. He, he was encouraging them to conti continue on with, with the Lord. And so I just want to read this, uh, the first 13 verses, and then we'll go on from there in a moment. But it says, Then Joshua gathered, chapter 24, verse 1 of Joshua, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he called all of the elders of Israel and all the heads and all their judges and all their officers. And they presented themselves before God. We could say he called all the representatives from the House of Representatives. He called all the senators. He called all of the people on the council with the president. He called the president. He called them all together. And Joshua said to all of the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, and it's interesting because Joshua sees calling them out, and they're a called people. They were called out by God, but he reminds them of all the things that God has done for them. And, and I believe when we step out, maybe at the beginning of the year, we need to look back and say, wow, where have we been? What's God done in my life? That, that would be a good practice for you to do today. Go home and sit down with a piece of paper and ask, what did God do for us this year? Boy, if you're struggling to find that out, you need to talk to God about your relationship there. What has God done for us in the last decade? What has God done through me? Joshua said to all of the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, 
from ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, that is uh, the Euphrates River. He says, namely, we're talking about Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. It's interesting, Abraham didn't start out as a God-fearer. He wasn't one who worshipped Yahweh or Elohim. He was an idolater. It's what he came out of. It says, then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river. I led him through all of the land of Canaan. I multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob to Esau. And Esau. And to Esau I gave Mount Seir. I gave him this, this land to possess. But to Jacob and his sons, they went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron and plagued, and I plagued Egypt by what I did in its midst, and afterward I brought you out. And you remember they went in as slaves, and they were there for 400 years. And God never lost track of his people because he loved that nation Israel. They were the called-out nation. And we need to understand that we as a people, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have been called out. Do you know what the, the word for church is in the Greek? Ekklesia. Ek is to call. Calling out those individuals. That's what we are. We're the called out ones. That's the same thing it says here about what he did. And then he says, I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea. And Egypt pursued uh, your fathers with chariots and horsemen on the red, in the Red Sea. And they were a special people. They were a people that God loved so much. But when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and, and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your own eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Forty years, we understand. And then I brought you into the land of the Amorites and you lived beyond the Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land, and when I destroyed them before you. Oh, and then Balak, this king, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, he arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and summoned Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. He sent for a prophet to come and curse Israel. But I wasn't willing to listen to Balaam. And so he had to bless you, and I delivered you into his hand, from his hand and you crossed the Jordan, and you came to Jericho, and the cities, citizens of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorite, and the Perizzite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Girgashite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, and thus I gave them into your hand. And then I sent the hornet before you, and I drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, and, but not by your sword, not by your bow, I gave you land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built. And you have lived in them and you're eating the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. And I just want you to see from those first last few verses as we look at God, God provided for the Israelites. He called them out. They were a special people. He provided for them. And as we come into 2020, I think as individuals, we just stop and look at our lives and say, how has God provided for us? If you're a Christian today, he certainly called you. You're special in his sight. You're special to him. But just stop for a while and think, because we're here this morning. We're going to come to the communion service, and we're going to look at what God did and, 
And I would encourage you to ask yourself, how has God provided for me in the last decade? Boy, they were going back hundreds of years when God was re- when uh, Joshua was reminding the people of how God had provided way back to Abraham. But just go back ten years. Just go back a short time. I thought about how God provided for us. Darlene and I periodically talk about how things have happened, and we've moved here, we moved there because God's led us. And I have no doubt about that. I think periodically a church needs to look back and say where have they come from and what's happened and how has God been involved here? What has he done here? Uh, I have no doubt about God bringing Darlene and I here. We, we look back on it. It was 14 years ago in Thanksgiving we came for the very first time. And uh, we'd been in a church in Antioch for 19 years and blended with another church and we were there with them for a year and uh, it, it was very apparent to us that that wasn't where we needed to be. Uh, I, I think if God had called us to Brentwood Bible Fellowship or at that time Brentwood Baptist Church, if he'd called us the year before we came, we probably wouldn't have come. We would have said, no, this isn't for us. This isn't where we want to be. Uh, at that time, they were running about 20 people. I talked to a number of people. They were probably under 10 quite a few Sundays. And so it was small. Uh, it wasn't large. The facility, you know, I've heard people say, well, we need to upgrade. Oh, we probably do, but I'll tell you what, we are so different from what we were when we moved in. The, uh, the, the ceiling came here, and then there was a false ceiling all the way back, and it, it beat in towards the back, so about half of this stage was here. Um, we had orange shag carpet. Like when I was building houses, we put in the houses in the 60s and early 70s. You'd rake it up. Any of you have a, a shag carpet rake someplace? Yeah, we, we'd rake up our carpet so it would stand up and look good. And this had been a long time without being raked. And uh, it was splitting in the seams back there. Um, we had kind of a, a beige-colored pews with orange seats. And... Uh, the veneer was peeling off. We had a school that was next door, and I'd come in after the school kids had been here, the preschoolers, and they were peeling off the veneer. You'd find it laying on the carpet. Uh, we had one, car, one uh, pew right over here, and uh, it's where I would sit down. I just didn't realize they'd had a lot of water damage there, and I leaned over one day, and it was no longer attached to the floor and started to go over, and we went, Phew. lot to do. Well, February 2006, we came because we believed God wanted us to come. I remember walking in in Thanksgiving, and it was kind of a time warp for us. Uh, Jim was up here playing his guitar, and he was doing a little bluegrass and singing Victory in Jesus, and Alan Laurie were back over here standing in the corner backing him up, and just a few people, probably maybe 20. And I came out, and I thought, well, Darlene's not going to want to come here, and I'm not going to take my wife someplace she doesn't want to go. And so I came out, and I said, well, what do you think? And her response to me was, this is where God wants us. And we came. February, 1st February of 2006, we started our ministry here. And the first thing I did was say, we've got to change things. 
we had a school over there, and so we didn't have much authority over a lot of our facility. Uh, the contract that had been written up was not real positive for the church, and uh, we weren't making very much from it because they were paying an extremely low amount per foot per square foot. And God changed that later on, and we praised that Lord for that. But um, man, I said, "Okay, Lord, we got to change things here because people aren't going to want to come here when they walk in." Uh, there were false beams on all of these metal beams, so they weren't any higher than that. Ceiling was way down. Uh, so I began to look for money. Lord, we need money. We had a, a parsonage, a, a house that Corwin and Mandy ultimately lived in for a while. And it uh, wasn't very big, but, you know, it, it was ours and it wasn't bad. We said, Lord, what do we do? So I went looking for money. I, I went to secular and I went to religious uh, lending agencies and nobody wanted to lend to us because we didn't have enough money to pay my salary coming in, let alone uh, pay for bills for that that loan. And I remember I went to uh, one of the lending agencies for the Southern Baptist, and and they said, "Oh, we never loaned for less than five hundred thousand." And I wanted about three hundred thousand. Remember, we didn't have any money. Uh, and I said, "Oh, okay." And so they they said, "You need to go to the other Southern Baptist." Lending agencies, they'll, they'll help you out. To go talk to them. So I went to them, and uh, I said, we need $300,000. He says, well, send me your financials. And so I did, and he said, you can't pay for you, let alone anybody else. I said, but we're getting, we're getting money from the school. And he said, we don't count that. It's only what your people give. And he chuckled as he talked to me. And I'm going, well, we, we really need it. Uh, We've had a loan from you for years, and we've been faithful in paying it off. And they said, well, send me in a, an email. Just write it up hurriedly. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Just send it in. And so I wrote up an email and just said what we needed. And he called me back. He said, I'll take it to the board. I said, who's on the board? Well, myself and two others. But you're not going to vote for it, no. He looked at what I sent him, and he laughed at me. And I thought, wow, this isn't working out very well. So I said, okay, Lord, we'll do what we can, just piecemeal as you open the doors. wasn't long after that. We'd given up, I'd given up on getting money, finances for this church. And uh, not long after that, I had some friends come down, and they walked in, and they said, you need some seed money. We'll buy you new chairs. And they gave me a check that covered all these chairs, and it was a substantial amount. And I went, wow. So we got rid of the pews that were falling apart, and we put in these chairs. And then another individual called me, one of the lending institutions I'd talked to previously, and he said, you know, one of my people was working with you, and they didn't make the loan. I know that. And I think we can do something. This guy got really creative. I was a little worried about it, but I talked to two different people, and they told me it was legal. Later on, people talked to me and said, I'm not sure where that was, but God provided, and we began to change things. I said, Lord, we need somebody to do the work. Who's going to do the work? And there was a program here, and I met one of the men, and 
he'd had a, an injury, so he'd lost a leg. He'd been a contractor at one time, and he says, uh, I'll do it. We didn't pay him very much. Uh, there was no way we... I'll tell you what, if we had paid the proper amount to have this done by a contractor to come in, we would probably have closed the doors a long time ago because our money would have been gone. But he went to work. And man, he worked hard. Was everything perfect? No. But I am so thankful to the Lord for him. You see, it wasn't what I did. I had given up hope. But God said, this is my church, and I'm going to make it go. We were able to add staff. A guy by the name of Roger Martin, Roger and Clarice Martin, came on as my associate. Roger had been uh, founding pastor of a church in Danville. That church was running about seven, 800. And he says, yeah, I'll be your associate. I'd known him for years. And he came, and then we talked about what else do we need? Well, we need a youth pastor. So we went out and found Corwin and Mandy, and they came. And, you know, a church of our size putting on staff like this they normally don't do that. You don't have the money to do it. And then um, <clears throat> Paco and Becky showed up. I said, I don't have any money, but you want to work with the seniors? He said, yeah, I'll do that. So he and Becky have worked with our seniors, and we have a fantastic seniors ministry, Joe and Camille. I'd known Joe for years, and I, I came over and said, how about being a worship leader? And they picked that up part-time, and we went, wow. Do you know what? I look back, and we went from 20 to 1958, I mean 2000, <laughs> 2018. I'll get the numbers right here, folks. I was never a mathematician. It's kind of like with the frogs. We saw God provide. We've never been a huge church, but we went from 20 and then up to about 60 that next year. And 2018, we were running 158 on the average. That's over 100, about 100 more than that first year. And, you know, you can say, wow, yeah, we're not a big church. No. We're a family. We have wonderful relationships. And God brought all that about. I don't take it any credit for that at all. I think God has worked in this church, and he's worked through you and that was what Joshua did. He went back and he says, I want you to see everything that God's done for you. Then in verse 14, he, he says, you need to renew your faith. You need to step up and make a recommitment. It says, now therefore, fear the Lord. Fear has to do with worship, honoring him, glorifying him, serve him in sincerity and truth. And that idea of sincerity is with honesty and integrity Truth is a word that can be translated faithfulness. And he says, put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And serve is a term that means to work, to toil. A lot of people simply think that means to worship God. But it says, how are you going to serve the Lord? What are you going to serve first? Put aside those gods. What, what are the gods? For them, it, it, it was the idols of Egypt or it was the idols of uh, where Abraham had come from. It, it was the idols of the Canaanites. But God said, put them aside. Make a commitment to serve God. 
and then make your commitment to follow him and serve him. And we go down to verse 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, if you, if you don't want to really serve God, if you don't want to make him the priority for yourselves today, then to choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that they served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Wow, we just drove them out. They aren't very powerful. And then Joshua said it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Step up. Step up. Are you ready to step up? What gods do you serve? What takes your time? What takes your resources, your money, your efforts? Maybe your job? Maybe your hobby? Business? Maybe family? It may be your house? There's any number of things that can come our gods, our friends. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to make a decision and we're going to serve the Lord. And I thought about that today when I look back and I see everything that God's done for us. Everything that he's done in our church, boy, that's, that's where we want to be. And it says the Lord answered, or the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. We know what he did. He brought us from the house of bondage and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all of the peoples through whose midst we passed. Oh, the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites who lived in the land, and we also will serve the Lord Joshua. He is our God. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you'll not be able to serve the Lord, for he's holy. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he, he has done good to you. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. And so I would encourage you, each one of you today, as you think about a new year, ask yourself, who do I serve? What do I serve? It's a question every Christian has to ask themselves. And am I willing to serve the Lord? Number one, first and foremost, before anything else. That was what Joshua did. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Take time. Reflect on what God's done. Ask where your commitment is today and ask where God wants you to be tomorrow. Let's pray, shall we? Father, Joshua was an amazing individual. He had to be reminded to be strong and courageous and yet he was and he stepped up and God used him and he led that people into the promised land would have been easy to be scared to death. Say, I can't do that. I don't have that power. I don't have the ability. But that was not the case. Joshua stepped up. 
Father, I pray that would be the case for each of us as well, that we would evaluate our lives today as we move into a new month, a new year, a new decade, that we'd step up and say, this decade I will serve the Lord. Above and beyond everything else, I'm going to make that commitment. It's not just going to church on Sunday. That's worship. We come and worship you. But, but you didn't call us just to do that. You called us to serve. It may be in our homes. maybe in our neighborhoods. It may be at work. maybe in the church. But Father, what a privilege to serve you. You are an awesome God. You are an awesome Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love and your compassion. Now, Father, we, we commit our lives to you. As we move into this communion service, I pray, Father, that you would be honored as we reflect back once again on what Jesus did. There we do it. Every month we stop to think about what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Father. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.